and that's something we hear all the time on Hopeline um, with with our concerned others that are ringing us. They're worried that if they say that word, if they mention it, they're going to put that idea in that young person's head. Um, And that is really, really not the case. The chances are that if you say that word and actually that young person is not thinking about suicide, then the only really outcome that you're going to have there is that young person is going to think to themselves, well, God, yeah, my mum or my dad or my friend is actually really concerned about me, aren't they? You're not going to just by using the word and just by saying it, put that idea in someone's head. Hello and welcome to Mother's Matter podcast with me, Claire Pay. Thank you for listening. Uh, Today's podcast is about suicide. Um, It is for people who are affected by suicide in any way. Um, This should be a very safe podcast to listen to. Um, We're not going to talk about individuals. We're not going to talk about examples at all. Um, I'm talking with Rachel from Papyrus, which is a charity for the prevention of young suicide for people, generally for people under 35. Um, Right at the beginning, I'd like to mention their Hopeline uh, phone number, which is 0800 068 4141. So we're going to be talking about um, how to help people who may have thoughts of suicide, uh, what help there is for people who have been affected by suicide, uh, what might lead up to suicide. Uh, Those are the general discussions. Um, As I said, I hope this is going to be a safe podcast for people to listen to, but obviously we are talking about suicide. So um, it's worth deciding whether that's appropriate for you. So uh, Rachel is a lovely advisor with Papyrus and I hope you find this podcast very useful. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sparing the time to talk with me today about this really um, tragic topic. And uh, it's uh, suicide is something that, uh, you know, you're working to combat in a way and to support people who might be in that situation. So so um, could you start by telling us a bit about Papyrus and why it was set up, please? Yeah, of course, Claire. And I just wanted to start by saying thank you very much for having me. Um, you know, I think it's a really good opportunity to talk about um, suicide as a whole and talk about, you know, what it is we do um, here at Papyrus. So Papyrus was set up um, many years ago now, um, and it was actually founded by um, some parents, um, a group of parents who had been all been bereaved by suicide, so had lost children to suicide, um, and they decided to set up the charity um, to because they thought it was something suicide is something that could be prevented, um, and they decided to set up the charity with the aim of obviously raising awareness around suicide, um, and we have just grown and grown and grown since that point. Um, and our, one of our main things, one of our main things that we aim to do, and that we have been doing a lot of recently is really that raising awareness um, because quite some time suicide was a taboo subject and something that wasn't talked about um, and you know we found that people weren't really using the word out of fear of what may happen of you know if we if we did use that word um, and actually you know even just given what we've seen recently in the media with, I don't know if you've seen any of the coverage of the three dads walking. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but we it's, it's becoming a much more um, talked about subject. subject, And that's not just through Papyrus's work, um, but that is what we aim to do. And that's what we're there for as a service is to try and raise that awareness um, throughout, you know, all walks of life, really. Um, and it is becoming much more okay to talk about it now and that's what we want that's what we aim for um so yeah um i mean papyrus itself stands for um parents association prevention of young suicide so it's kind of two letters missing there as you may have noticed (laughs) but it didn't quite have the same ring with papyrus so we added the the ru in as well um but that's yeah that's a little bit about us and about how we started Brilliant. And what what do you do um, on a day-to-day basis? What services do you offer? So I work for Hopeline UK, which is our um, our helpline section of Papyrus. Um, So what what I do and what us um, suicide prevention advisors, what we do is we support young people under the age of 35 who are experiencing thoughts of suicide. Um, We try to get them to see that there are other options um, that this may feel like 
right now, although this is their suicide, is their only option that actually it, that doesn't have to be the case and there is support available out there for them. And what we do with that young person is we try to get them to focus on things that they can do to keep themselves safe. And another really big part of what we do on Hopeline is we support others. So we call them concerned others. Um, So someone who is worried about someone else who might be thinking about suicide. So it might be parents, it might be a carer, it might be um, a friend, it might be a teacher at a school worried about a student or a colleague or something like that. Um, Anyone who's worried about someone else who's experiencing those thoughts of suicide, they can give us a call um, and we can explore um, firstly why it is that they might be feeling that way um, why they might be concerned about somebody else and then we will um, give them quite practical advice on how they can support that person and next steps that they can take brilliant well we'll, we'll come on to that um, a bit later uh, and if we don't remind me <laughs> but, um, but um, I guess uh, there's a few things just to talk about it right at the beginning is that people always talk about um committing suicide you know someone has committed suicide and that's not a phrase that we should use no it's not the most helpful language and obviously it's something it's it's a term that has been used for a number of years um and maybe that stemmed from um a long, long time ago, in fact, actually probably not as long ago as I'm saying, um, suicide was a crime up until, I want to say, maybe the 80s or something like that. I don't, can't remember the exact date, unfortunately. Um, but suicide was a crime in the UK. Um, and that's why when um, the way that phrase comes from is when we talk about committing suicide, because when you use the word commit, usually you're referring to kind of committing a crime. Um, and so it has that almost negative connotation and we don't want people to associate suicide suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions with something negative you know it's 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 normal or it can be normal to experience those thoughts of suicide and we don't want people to feel that they're doing something wrong um by by thinking about suicide and by feeling that that is an option for them so we very much want to come away from using that term commit suicide um and we can talk about should we talk about some alternatives that people could use instead Mm -hmm. claire yeah yes please yeah so you know if we're talking about somebody who um is thinking about taking their own life by suicide we can say just that you know you know I'm thinking about taking my own life by suicide um if we have lost someone to suicide you could say died by suicide um one word that people sometimes use is suicided um so if someone has died by suicide they may say that someone suicided um there can be um language you know that we can we can interpret in many different ways that we can say that you know could be have negative connotations but like I say um the main one that we really want to get away from is that committing suicide because we want to take away that that kind of suggestion that someone's committing a crime by doing that because that is really not the case mm-hmm. thank you um and just to sort of establish the groundwork you know how common is suicide in the under 35s very common, very, very common, much more than probably, you know, what, what most people realise. Um, like I mentioned earlier, because it's um, talked about more now and we're seeing it more in the press than um, what we maybe did before, um, people likely think that it's something that is increasing massively um, because they're seeing it more on their tellies and in papers and stuff like that. Whereas actually it's always been a massive issue. It's always been a really, really big issue. And now it's just that actually we're seeing it more because it's being, you know, services like ourselves who are promoting it more and talking about the issue much more than what 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 necessarily was done before. I mean, to give you an idea, um, we don't have, unfortunately, recent exact figures for kind of um, adolescents and teenagers, for example, who have who have died by suicide. But we do know that last year, for example, in 2020, um, off the Office of National Statistics has just released the findings that actually um, 6,292 people died by suicide in the UK. Um, Gosh. So it's a big number and we know quite a high proportion of that will be um, young people, young people mm. who are experiencing, sorry, who have who have died by suicide. And what we always do say as well, on top of um, 
kind of giving statistics and stuff like that. So we don't like to focus on them too much. Um, it's because it will just be that number will be the absolute tip of the iceberg. Um, mm. As you can imagine, there are other thing, other reasons, other things why you know other things aren't taken into account within that number, within that figure. So, for example, that doesn't account for people who have experienced thoughts of suicide. That doesn't count for people who have attempted suicide but have survived. Um, it doesn't account for, say, people who may have unfortunately died, but their deaths may have been recorded as a, as a different reason. Um, you know, sometimes deaths get recorded as like a, mis, um, a misadventure or misdemeanor or something along those lines, um, when in fact it may well have been a suicide, but it's just not been recorded as that fact by the coroner um so it, it we, we do like to highlight that although you know we can give a we can give a ballpark figure it is just the tip of the iceberg you know there's much more going on than than what we know about the figures are just kind of you know a starting point really mm-hmm. um and i want to come on to uh what people what parents could do if they're worried about their um, children uh, their adolescents or so on um, what they could do to help them but to, to, the first question is um, if you talk about the suicide does that make it more likely to happen absolutely not absolutely not that's one of the biggest misconceptions and that's something we hear all the time on hopeline um with with our concerned others that are ringing us they're worried that if they say that word if they mention it they're going to put that idea in that young person's head um and that is really really not the case the chances are that if you say that word and actually that young person is not thinking about suicide then the only really outcome that you're going to have there is that young person's going to think to themselves well, God, yeah, my mum or my dad or my friend is actually really concerned about me, aren't they? You're not going to just by using the word and just by saying it, put that idea in someone's head. But what you can do is if someone's already already thinking about that, but actually they've just not felt brave enough to say it yet and to talk about it by actually using the word and being quite direct and having conversations about it, it's showing them that it's okay to talk about this, that you're not afraid of that answer that you're going to get because actually you're using the word yourself quite directly. Um, And so it's telling them it's okay. So you may well find that if you do use that word and you do ask, that young person might not turn around straight away and be like, yes, this is what's going on for me. Yes, I'm having thoughts of suicide. But it might just give them something to think about that actually, yes, this is somebody maybe that I can talk to about what's going on. And maybe I don't need to manage this all by myself anymore. Maybe I can reach out to people. Mm. That must be it's a great relief, really, to hear this, isn't that? that that's, that's a step um, to take. I suppose, actually, if I could flip it around, what would be... Um, First of all, what would be signs that you might recognise in someone that might cause you to think they were they were considering taking their own life? So it's it's very individual, Claire. Really, um, you know, very individual for each different person. Um, we can give some basic basic examples, but I always kind of like to say to people, you know, trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right with that person, I mean, you'll know that person better than most. Or I always say to people on the phone, definitely better than what I as an advisor will know them. Um, so, you know, trust your gut, go with your gut instincts. If something tells you something's not right with this person, I'm not sure if if their behaviour is is as it always is, something's not quite right right here, I would say go with that. Um, In terms of signs, um, there are things that you can look out for, um, you know, in terms of what people may be saying um, and what people may be thinking. You might be talking, we might be talking about things like people saying, oh, what's the point? You know, there's just no point in me being here anymore. Things will be better when when I'm gone. Um, Those kind of you know, kind of indicators that they're not they're not planning on being around for much longer. Um, but there may also be behaviours and stuff that um, you might be able to see. So, like I said, changing behaviour as a whole is is something that we should definitely be looking out for because although it may not be a hundred percent that person is thinking about suicide, if someone's behaviour changes, um, you're always going to question that anyway, aren't you? You know, where is that stemming from? Um, and it's always worth obviously asking the question about what what is going on there. Um, but in terms of behaviours and stuff, sometimes what we can see um, in young people, people who have 
kind of got it in the head and have got that plan that they're going to take their own life, um, we can see things like people giving away property because um, they're thinking, I don't need that anymore. So they begin to give property away. Um, or we may see um, people kind of almost saying goodbyes, but kind of finalising things in terms of with friends and stuff like that. Um, you know, we can see changes of behaviour and changes not only in a negative way, as you would expect, but sometimes we see people who um, almost seem a little bit happier and a bit more content and that's because sometimes they're kind of coming to terms with the fact that they've made this decision and they're happy with like the outcome of this decision that they've made and you know for the first time in a long time it may be that that person feels like they're happy with 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 their future um in that obviously that the plan that they're making so there is a massive massive range of things that can be signs um claire and like I say, you know, I wouldn't like to sit here and that's just some very, very basic examples because it's very individual to each person. But the important thing, I guess, um, for people to take away and those, particularly those concerned others, so people who may be looking for those signs, the really important message that I want people to take away from this is that, first of all, trust your gut, like I say, go with your gut. If your gut tells you something's wrong, go with that. But secondly, if you do think something is not quite right and something might be going on for that young person, then ask. The only way you're going to know is by asking the question and being really blunt with that person and trying to find out what is going on for them. Ah, brilliant. Um, and what what would be the factors? Are there common factors that lead people to consider taking their lives? It's, again, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but very individual, to be honest with you, Claire. Um, you know, very, um, it's different for, for every different person. Obviously, we do have kind of common things, um, you know, usual things that you would think of that young people would struggle with, like, for example, exam pressures, um, school issues. You know, we hear things like, you know, bullying, um, you know, friendship issues, stuff like that. But then we also hear a lot of stuff from, like, the other side, like problems with stuff with, uh, sorry, young people with stuff going on at home like with their families and stuff like that and people who are feeling lost um and we also have like you know young people who may be struggling with their sexuality with their gender um there's so many different things and what you and I Claire may think is something that might you know seem fairly minor to us or we think oh that wouldn't affect us in a certain way that can be very different for for other people um and it's how that person reacts and how that to, to those kind of things that are going on around them that determines whether they that is something that kind of makes them go to that point where they're thinking about and contemplating suicide i mean one thing that we, we do notice is is quite a common theme for us in terms of things that contribute to, to those thoughts of suicide and one thing that is increasing more and more is a lot of our young people do say that they um, struggle to access and secure support so they're struggling to get the right support that's out there for them and that's a real shame because we know that there is support available out there it's just maybe with things like wait lists or not knowing the right people to turn to and stuff like that people aren't always getting it um aren't always getting the support that they need and not always getting it in the most timely manner as well um so that can be quite a common one for us but yeah like I say it's it's individual to each person really Mm, mm. um how often is it linked to mental health um issues you know just a general dive in mental health or could it be something that's always been a a mental health issue in that person we, we don't always say that if someone is struggling with thoughts of suicide that they do have mental health issues because that's not always the case um some people do and there will be a proportion of people that do will have ongoing mental health issues um and some of them get support from some of them don't and again that can be a big issue in that sense is those that have been unable to secure support but there are also people that don't struggle with mental health issues that experience thoughts of suicide there's a good proportion of them as well um so yeah it can be a contributing factor but it's not always a contributing factor if that makes sense mm, mm. yeah yes um and so if um someone so say a parent is talking to their, their young person say so are you thinking uh, have you got thoughts of suicide and the young person says yes then then what <laughs> then what so, do they say 
first of all, for that that parent or that concerned other, like, first of all, amazing for them for like getting up the courage and obviously asking that question. That's absolutely the right thing to do. And if a, a parent rung our helpline and told us that and said, you know what, I've asked the question, they've said yes, but I don't know where to go from here. The very first thing that I would do as an advisor is I would be praising them like you wouldn't believe for the fact that they've had that strength to ask, to ask that question and ask about suicide because it's hard, isn't it, Claire? Like, you know, it's mm. not something that we talk about generally in day-to-day life. So most people don't know what to do. And that would be my second thing I would say to that person is, firstly, don't, secondly, don't beat yourself up for the fact that you don't know what to do here and you don't know the next steps to take because we're not expected to know it all. And aside from, like, you know, people in positions like myself um, and people who, um, you know, have probably unfortunately been bereaved by suicide a lot of people don't know how to have these types of conversations and that is absolutely okay um but if someone if a young person was um able to be dead open and honest with their parent the carer whoever it may be and say yeah I'm having those sorts of suicide my first piece of advice to them would be to Firstly, just acknowledge what they're saying. Just listen to what that young person is saying and acknowledge that. There can be a real temptation um, when somebody says that they're experiencing thoughts to suicide to go straight to, right, what are we going to do to fix this? Straight into like solution mode, let's solve this. And although there is a time and place for that, it's not right there and then. Um, you know, by kind of going straight to let's solve this, sometimes we can make that young person feel like a little bit like they've not really been heard and we're not really acknowledging what they're saying. So the initial thing to do would be just listen to that young person, ask them about what it is that's making them feel that way um, and acknowledge what's going on for them. So, yeah, you know, it sounds like you've got a lot going on right now. That must be incredibly hard for you. Um, You know, just acknowledging what they're experiencing. And then when you've got to that point where they've explored everything that's going on for that young person that is when um as a parent as a carer um you'd think about saying okay well you know do you think you can keep yourself safe from these thoughts for now and what do you want to happen now from here on out um you know do you want support because you know we can we can try to get some support for you but I need to know what what you want what you want to happen right now and that's the important thing Claire is that we're guided by that young person that 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 concerned other is guided by that young person and what they want because we can put every bit of support in place and a bit that's available in the whole wide world but if that young person isn't isn't ready and able to engage with that and doesn't want to engage with it unfortunately it isn't going to make a slightest bit of difference unless they're at that point where they're ready for that does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah. yes yes so um Yes, in terms of looking at support, um, I was looking at your website and the there's a downloadable resource there about, um, it's very much the emphasis on keeping yourself safe tonight yeah. <laughs> in the moment. Um, how far, I know we don't really want to get into specifics, but how far is it often an impulsive final act and how far is it premeditated? Because if it's impulsive, I can, I can see the point of, you know, just for tonight, keep yourself yeah. safe yeah um so yes how about that I I think it very much varies really Claire um you know I I I think often if if someone is at that point where they're acting on those thoughts that they're having you know it's usually not something that's just a click of the fingers and they decide decide they're going to do it it's usually something that they've been thinking of for some time so more often than not it's not an impulsive thing more often than not it is something that they've given some real thought to um the reason that with our safety plans that we focus on kind of keeping safe for now and things that you can do for now to keep yourself safe is because often when you're in that headspace where things are, you know, where you've got those sorts of suicide, where things are feeling incredibly overwhelming, incredibly intense, um, you know, it may well be that you can't even bear to think about a week a week down the line what's going to be what your life's going to look like a week down the line or a month down the line so maybe focusing on that long-term support is just not doable right now whereas actually if we can say right let's just get you through the next hour let's just get you through the next hour or even in some instances let's get you through the next 10 minutes um that you know it's keeping that person safe for now and if it means that that person needs to revisit that safety plan in another half an hour's time or whether that person needs to give us a call back or whether that person needs to think about 
attending hospital or something like that, for example, whatever it may be, we've got to focus on what they can do for that for the time being just to try and give themselves a little break from those thoughts that they're having and to try and keep themselves safe just for now mm. yeah so that remi- that makes me think and again I know we don't want to go into specifics but of occasions you hear about where someone publicly looks like they are think you've taken their life and then someone comes along and talks to them is there is there any s- sort of suggestion that if you can break the train of thought you can refocus, you know, if you're in that situation, in a public situation, and you see someone you're worried about, um, is there any advice on, on that front? Yeah, so, I mean, I suppose what we'd say in them situations, if, you know, if, if, if there is a situation like that where you, there is somebody who you feel that, you know, is at risk of taking their own life, and as a stranger, for example, you come in and you approach them, um, you know, first of all, just try to engage in that conversation um you've got to get that conversation flowing back and forth to start off with um and try to build that rapport with them in the sense that you know try to get them to talk about what's going on for them that's you know making them feel that way um and i wouldn't necessarily say you know in in relation to what you just said then in terms of kind of breaking that train of thought because i think it's difficult you know we we recognize that even if we can get people to um almost be distracted from those thoughts temporarily we're realistic enough to know that those thoughts aren't just going to disappear just because we say to go and use this particular distraction technique or coping mechanism or something like that but for someone and this is often the case for a lot of people for someone who is experiencing thoughts of suicide 24 hours a day every day you know it, it actually even if it's just a 10 minute break where their mind cannot think about those thoughts of suicide just for 10 minutes 15 minutes although it might only seem like a really short period of time for some it's better than no break at all um you know and so it's I don't think it's necessarily kind of breaking those that that that, that train of thought but it's just giving them that very small break and that very small period of respite um and what what we often say with that as well is if 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 your mind does have a little bit of time to just switch off and hopefully go elsewhere um and not necessarily be thinking about acting on those thoughts of suicide that you're having it may well be that you know when you've finished doing that distraction technique that coping mechanism whatever it may be that you may not go straight back to that it may be that your mind takes you somewhere else um so you know and it's giving you that extra time to really think about what it is that you're doing so if you have if you are having those thoughts distract yourself do something else and it gives you more time to think about is this really what I want to do um and just really kind of think on it if you get what I'm saying Mm, mm. Yes, yes. I, and it makes me think as well, going back to family matters, I mean, the the instinct as a um, mother would be to say, you know, do you have you thought about the impact on the rest of the family and people who love you and know you? Is that ever helpful to say that? Or is that just sort of saying this is going to upset me? I know it's a, it seems like a solution to you, but... Uh, I think Mm -hmm. there's a time and a place for maybe saying those types of things. I think if, for example, somebody um, is disclosing to you for the first time that they've had thoughts of suicide, you know, I don't think that that's the right time or place to say that because the likeliness is those things will have crossed that young person's mind anyway. But they're in a position right there and right then where the only option for them is ending their own life. They can't think at that moment in time about how that's going to impact other people. All they can focus on right now is in I'm in such a bad place that this is feels like my only way out. Um, so if we do kind of make those suggestions, and I, I guess you know a lot of people would um, kind of see that as maybe someone saying that you're selfish, um, you know, because you're not you're not thinking about how that's impacting on on other people. And I guess by saying those types of things, you're almost adding fuel to the fire in a way, and um, you know you're adding on kind of some negative things to what that person is already thinking. And we don't need to fuel them negative thoughts more than what we are doing already. Or more than mm. what that young person is having already, sorry. So how would you assure someone that they are loved and valued without implying that, you know, that, that, that you will suffer if they are no longer around? I think exactly like you just said then, Claire, you can tell that person that, you know, you love them and that you care about them. And, you know, if, if they have been 
able to be open and honest enough to say to you, yeah, I'm having thoughts of suicide, that first of all signifies a really strong relationship there as it is anyway, because they've been honest enough to say with you, say that to you. And you can say to them, you know, I love you so much. We love you so much. We we will help you in whatever way you deem appropriate. You know, we'll help you in whatever way to get through this. There doesn't have to be any kind of added extra onto it in that you say, you know, we couldn't cope without you here or anything like that. Or no, think about what impact it might have on, on us as a family or whatever it may be. Just expressing to that young person that you care about them as much as you do and that you will help them in whatever way you can and whatever the way they, they deem suitable Mm, mm. Uh, and so in terms of um, support you mentioned support available for people Um, what support is there so for um, those young people that are thinking about suicide Mm. um, there's actually a lot more than what people think there is Um, so the usually the first port of call is if uh, a concerned other um does ask the question and that young person is really honest and they say yeah we're thinking about suicide and actually yeah I do want some support for how I'm feeling your first port of call would always be your GP we'd always say speak to your GP obviously they're the person who oversees all all of your medical treatment support you know advice that type of thing you know we would encourage you to go and speak to them first of all and then they can see whether they think you need to be referred on to other places so more specialist kind of um, mental health services whether it be a young person mental health service whether it be an adult mental health service or they may be able to manage um, your support at, at um the level of just obviously having contact with your GP. On the other hand, um, a lot of people don't feel comfortable going to the GP and don't want to go and have those conversations for whatever reason it may be. That doesn't mean that there is no support available for that person at all. There are many, many things available to them. So there's things like, um, you know, you can self-refer in for things like talking therapy. So um, these young people can can do these themselves if they wish to do so, um, often online. Um, so it's quite easy just to click on the button or a phone call and, you know, you can refer yourself in for these types of uh, support services. We also have services or there is also services available, sorry, for things like online counselling. Um, and so, often you don't have to see a person face to face um it's someone that you're probably never going to meet in real life which actually can make it feel quite a bit easier because you don't have to worry about how you're presenting if that person's going to go and tell anyone else even though they never would do obviously because of confidentiality reasons it can be a concern that that you know that those young people do have so it's always an option to think about like online counselling um and then there's so many other services as well there's there's um helplines that are like listening services um there's young people specific support services that have helplines have um chat functions have like crisis messenger services um there are text services because we know that young people love texting and messaging and you know the a lot of them would rather do that as opposed to picking up the phone and making a call and that in itself is absolutely okay um it's important that support's available to them across every every avenue and every level um and yeah there's there's a lot available to them i mean obviously on hotline uk um you know we support people through phone call so we're open 9am until midnight every day um and we also support them via text and email as well um so you know there are options there for young people um and much more than what i'm briefly talking about here as well um you know there's the stuff that will be available to people locally in their local areas as well um and all they have to do is if people are worried that they don't know how to locate these services or they say well, there's nothing out there i don't want to see my gp i don't know what my other options are give us a call on hope line you know we can help you look for those things there's always options and even if you've tried some before and you think that doesn't look doesn't work for me there are always options available to people and that's one of the important messages I want people to take away from this that's re- that's really encouraging Rachel and with the self-refer does that mean um you don't need a GP can can they can you access um free services that say a GP might have referred you to but you self-refer yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, um, sometimes one route that um, a GP may take is they may think about referring someone on for talking therapy. Um, and often the services that they refer to, um, you can, in most areas, self-refer to those online without even involving your GP full stop. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's excellent then. So you can, um, because you hear about all these long waiting lists for things though. And uh, I mean, is there are there the resources and availability there for people who, who need it? There are. There are wait lists, Claire. Obviously, you know, we've, we've got to be realistic. Unfortunately, there are wait lists and stuff at the moment with, with, with some services. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that there isn't support for that person and they're unsupported whilst they're on a wait list for you know, if there's a wait list, for example, was three or four months, it doesn't mean they're not going to get any support for that three or four months whilst they're waiting. It just means that they might have to look at something else to put in the pl- in place in the meantime. Um, so that's when, you know, the things like I mentioned about talking about um, other services like other helplines or like online services, that's maybe where those things can come in while you're waiting for, um, you know, your place to go down on that wait list. Yes, yeah. And uh, I don't know if we've actually covered this, but if um, someone was, uh, if there's an adolescent who is having thoughts of suicide and they don't want to talk to their parents about it, what what would you suggest, what steps would you suggest they, they take? Okay, so it's absolutely normal to not want to talk to your parents. Um, a lot of people don't want to have these conversations with the parents because maybe they just don't have that relationship. Maybe they're worried about um, what, what actions and what steps the parents may take or what reaction that they're going to get from them. Um, although we would always encourage them to do so because usually, you know, parents are uh, usually are then people that can actually help make changes and support you and stuff like that. Unfortunately, that isn't always the case. So what we would say to a young person is try to reach out to somebody try to reach out to somebody if it's a friend if it's a teacher at school if it's a colleague um whoever it may be try to talk to somebody about what's going on for you because the worst thing that you can do one of the worst things that you can do is try to manage it all by yourself what's going on for you it's too much it's too much to manage it all by yourself um and you know you're only one person you're only one person so you know allow other people to support you um and that's a really another really key message that I want people to take away from this is that you know you deserve to be supported allow someone else to take some of that load for a little bit even if it is just a friend or even if it is you know a teacher at school or whoever it may be you know open up to them and although by talking to that person we're not suggesting that that's going to automatically kind of take all your problems away and these thoughts are just going to disappear overnight. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but actually by opening up and having those really honest conversations about what's going on with you, with someone around you, somebody you know on a personal level, it can help so much to just work through what's going on in your head. But do you find from the calls you get from concerned individuals, um, would you say to people, you know, young people who are thinking about thoughts of suicide, that actually people are really keen to help you know, that, that it's not an imposition on others, that, that they want to help. Of course, 100%. And it is that in most instances that those people just don't know what's going on for them. And so we, we hear a lot that that young people think that, you know, we'll hear them say like, oh, well, no one's bothered. Um, you know, my, my parents don't care. Like, you know, people don't care. No one's bothered that I feel this way. But actually that doesn't tend to be the case in some instances. It's more that that person just doesn't know what's going on. Or um, alternatively, it may be that that person might have an idea but is fearful of um you know actually if they ask the question of getting that yes answer and they think well I wouldn't know what to do next so some people kind of just avoid it because they think oh well I don't know what to do here so let's not bother asking that question um it's not that people don't care in most instances it's really really not it's just it's just that they either don't know what to say or they literally don't have an idea and that's why we will say to people to our young people is that you have to spell it out for people sometimes you have to spell it out and you have to tell them be really really honest with them about what's going on for you and maybe even being honest with them about what you think would help um what you think would help this situation because they that young person knows themselves better than anyone else so you know if someone was to suggest to them for example you know do you want to go for counseling they might think straight away no no that's not for me that's not for me and they are okay to be the one to make that decision because actually you know you shouldn't you have an idea as to whether something is going to work for you or not um actually you may think to yourself right now I, I just want this to happen you know I just want this type of support or whatever it may be so be really vocal like you know be really vocal voice what you think is going to work for you or what isn't going to work for you in those instances and then that allows others to support you in a way that is more suitable for you as well because they know what you think is going to work or what isn't going to work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and what happens in the you know in the sad case where it's it's too late and mm-hmm. you know or what you've you've done whatever you can but it's still someone's still taking their life. What support is there for bereaved uh, parents, siblings? Yeah, um, you know, loved ones. So there is support available. There's, there's, you know, we're realistic enough to know that suicides do still happen. Um, unfortunately, as much as we wish that they didn't, people do still take their own lives. There is support available for those people who are bereaved by suicide. There are some amazing, amazing services out there, and anyone who, um, you know, was. Has, has experienced that and it is something that they've gone through would encourage them to to, to have a look and explore um, what support is out there would encourage them to give us a ring um, and we can maybe signpost them and put them, point them in the right direction of some support services again kind of the same message is what we would echo as, as I echoed earlier on about the, those young people who are feeling that way what I would also say to someone who is bereaved by suicide don't put on that brave face. Don't feel that you can't talk about what's going on for you and definitely don't try to manage it all by yourself. Um, you know, you, you have experienced something absolutely awful that we would never want anyone to experience and anyone to go through. And the key thing to remember is to allow others to support you, allow others to support you, be really honest about how you're feeling. And there is support out there, so it's okay to reach out for that. And it's okay to say, I'm not managing right now. Um, and that, yeah, that's the key thing, really with that with people who have been bereaved are there uh, well there's papyrus but are there other charities particularly for um parents whose children have taken their lives there are there's an amazing amazing service called sobs so survivors of bereavement by suicide um they're in, an incredible service that that we often um signpost people to um there are there are other um bereavement services one that comes to mind is one called cruise um cruise bereavement care um they're really really good as well and they offer for a lot of support for people who are bereaved um not specifically by suicide as such but obviously they still support people who who have, who have lost children who have lost others and whatnot so they're really amazing services and i'm quite confident in saying that even though i can't think of others off the top of my head there will 100 percent be others out there as well um it's just a case of reaching out and exploring and seeing what is out there Mm, uh, yeah I mean I just think that it's just one of the worst ways to lose a child isn't it that uh, you know other things you can sort of I know there's the element of thinking could I have done more you know there's always there's always that I suppose you get that with all with all deaths but um, yeah that's the particularly difficult point of it all um yeah yeah it's such a it's such a sad um topic but but what you know what you're doing is amazing because you're saying well there is hope that the fact someone's thinking about taking their life doesn't mean they're going to do it you know and or rather you can intervene I think yeah. what you were saying that you can you can prevent it you can yeah or you know it, the, the key thing to know is that it is preventable like you say Claire you know it doesn't have to be the only option for them and often it feels like for the, those young people who are feeling that way they can't see a future for themselves and they think that suicide is their only option and their only way out right now and I will often say to people on the phone although right now and the next couple of hours you're you, the next day or the next week you feel like that this is what your life is going to look like you can't look into the future you don't know what the next year the next couple of years are going to look like for you you know your life could be very very different at that point um and that can feel hard obviously because thinking that far ahead into the future can be incredibly difficult when you feel in that way but it's just an important message to take away that the can that there is things that you can do there is support available there are people that can help you and this doesn't have to be the only option to you um you know the, that, that and that's the thing really there are other options there are other options there are other things that you can do this doesn't have to be the only one that just makes me wonder whether there are specific thought patterns that you could try to implement or things you'd suggest in terms of thinking you know imagine yourself in a year's time or whatever is is there a way of a sort of or well, positive thinking sounds really trite but you know uh, uh things you'd suggest to someone who's having thoughts of suicide to to help them get get through those thoughts i suppose there isn't any kind of um thought patterns as such that we we would um we would encourage people to kind of use i guess but um what we usually say for people who would reach out to our helpline for example um we would tend to find that someone who is 
openly talking about you know those sorts of suicide for someone who has been really honest enough to reach out to us or even to reach out to their parents or whoever else it may be the fact that that person is able to have that conversation the fact that that person may have picked up the phone and spoken to us the fact that they've opened up to their mom the fact that they've told their friend about it that would suggest that maybe there's a slight element of uncertainty given that you know they're reaching out they're you know and and whatever that thing is that's making them feel uncertain right there and right then that thing is what's keeping them safe right now Mm. that's what we call a protective factor so whatever that protective factor is and it's different for everyone absolutely different for everyone um you know focus on that you know suicide is a permanent permanent decision there's no coming back from it is there um you know and really cheesy and you may have heard this before but I really like the saying that um it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem Mm. um and that's the thing I think you know I, I find that saying really really interesting because if you've even got the smallest element of doubt about whether you want to take your own life or not even if it's only one percent and the other 99 percent is certain well you owe it to yourself to actually think about you know what else can I do right now? Is is there anything else that I can do that I haven't already done? Because I don't want to make that permanent decision when there's that slight element of uncertainty there. Mm. Yes, yeah, you speak so well, Rachel, and I think it would just be wonderful, you know, anyone getting through to you, I think would be, uh, you know, very lucky to, to oh, speak to you. you. Um, I think one thing, I don't know if this is right or not, that people talk about um, death by suicide as a cry for help, but it's... it's from what you've said you know it's better if you actually cry for help to to start with because it's you know no one can help you uh, yeah if you do take your own life and then and they say it almost dismissively like it was you know it's a cry for help but but actually that's so tragic because you think if you do cry for help then cry in such a way that someone can help you yeah and I think you know that 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 term cry for help and terms like attention-seeking behaviour and stuff. Mm. We, we don't like that. We don't like that mm. because if that is what's happening and that person is 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 crying for help, as we say, we have to ask what's going on for them that they need that, that they mm. need to do that. You know, clearly there's something going on in that person's life that they they feel that they need to do that and that they, they need to reach out to people. And what we do and what we're encouraging and what we've talked about for all, throughout all of this, Claire, is we're encouraging people, no matter what, to reach out for support, that there is support available out there. So even if someone was classified as kind of it's a cry for help, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no. nothing wrong with crying out for help because actually if that's what you need, you owe it to yourself to try and get that, to try and get that support that you need and deserve. So do it, cry out for help. Do yes. It. yes, I know. And actually going into sort of different psychology, being able to help other people is very fulfilling. So actually you're giving someone else an opportunity to feel good about themselves by being able to help you is offering them a chance to you know to to live uh uh, to feel fulfilled but to to feel they've made a difference in your life and and that's a gift to give someone else really 100 percent. yeah no I agree with that yeah yeah uh Rachel thank you so much for your your time and it's amazing what um the papyrus is doing it's uh you know to be able to save so many lives and and prevent suicide but also to help people on the next step you know it's not just the the suicide it's what you know what help could come to transform people's lives while they're living them yeah yeah oh thanks Claire really appreciate that and you know like I say I said touched on at the beginning one of the obviously I can talk a lot about what what we do on Hopeline because that's the bread and butter of what I do day to day is I support those people those young people directly and those concerned others but Papyrus as a whole does a lot as well in terms of kind of like I said at the beginning raising awareness and stuff like that and if we can get more people um trained and more people aware of like you know how to support someone who might be experiencing thoughts of suicide then maybe this you know we can really start to kind of tackle this 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 issue you know this big issue of so many people young people and people taking their own life by suicide um and that's the thing you know we think well we know it is preventable but we just have to be we all have to be equipped with the right tools and the right knowledge and whatnot to be able to prevent it um so yeah, I mean, I'm very passionate about what I do. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love supporting those young people, and yeah. you know, the feedback we get is incredible. Um, it's absolutely incredible, and you know, I just I hope that everyone can at some point kind of have an experience um, in that they can, 
know how to support people in a similar way to what you know what to what we do and to people who take part in our training and stuff like that it's a very rewarding experience and it's very very eye-opening to see that actually that it is something that that can be prevented Mm. and actually that just makes me think in terms of resources um to get onto the technical side of it all do you do you have um enough counselors and so on and enough funding or if you had more funding would you have more counselors are there people you have to turn away at all we, we don't turn anyone away. We, we don't turn anyone away on, on the hope line in particular anyway. You know, that's we, we never turn anyone away if we can help it. You know, our hours are 9am in the morning until midnight. Um, obviously, we accept that suicidal thoughts don't turn off at midnight. So, you know, um, maybe in the future there would be scope for obviously our service being extended and, you know, hopefully, you know, with funding and other things in place, that's something that we could definitely, um, we could definitely look at. Um, but we don't turn anyone away. And I, I, it's also important to note that even though we are a young person suicide prevention service, if um, someone was to call us who was outside of our age limit, so if someone was to call us who was over 35, we would never turn them away. Um, you know, it's brave of somebody to pick up the phone and make the call no matter what age they are. Um, so we would never say, oh, no, sorry, we can't support you because you're over 35, for example. We'll support everyone um, because, like I say, you know, often that that person maybe has never picked up the phone before and had that type of conversation. We're not going to shut that down. We'll support that person mm. in the best way that we possibly can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of your question about kind of funding and would we be better able to kind of support people and stuff like that, we're a charity we're always up for more funding <laughs> we'll always take yeah. some more because obviously we're growing as it is anyway but we want to continue to grow and obviously you know you can only do that with the support from people and obviously with that funding and whatnot but I think we've got you know a few things in the pipeline so hopefully just kind of people continue to support us in the way that they do then uh, hopefully people might start to see a bit more of us <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant thank you thank you so much Rachel that's re- that's just uh, wonderful to talk it all through and hopefully it'll just be really helpful to to anyone who, who needs to hear this thank you very much thanks for having me Claire Well, isn't Rachel lovely? And um, again, that Hopeline number is 0800 068 4141. Um, The other charities she mentioned are Cruise, which is spelled C-R-U-S-E, and SOBS. SOBS is for Survivors of Bereavement by Suicide. And they have brought out a film called After Sean, S-H-A-U-N, which is available on YouTube, which looks at uh, people who have been affected by suicide. So, um, yes, I I hope that you've uh, found this podcast um, useful if it's appropriate to you. So uh, just to mention my Uh, You can contact me on mothersmatter at outlook.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Mothers Matter Podcast and on Twitter at Podcast Mothers. Um, And I'd just like to thank James Ede from Be Heard Productions for producing this podcast today. Thank you. Bye. Bye.